Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. All right, film geeks, after months of waiting and excited giggling, I finally saw Killers of the Flower Moon last night. Let's talk about it. What's up, y'all? Welcome back to another episode of All Right, Let's Talk About It. My name is Savannah. I am your host. I do film reviews and film industry commentary. Y'all, I finally saw it last night, Killers of the Flower Moon. Let's just get straight into it. Oh, my gosh. So this film, Killers of the Flower Moon, directed by Martin Scorsese, stars Leonardo DiCaprio, Robert De Niro, Lily Gladstone, based on a novel of the same name. A lot of people have asked me, have I read the book? No, I have not. And I probably won't. Nonfiction really isn't my jam. Not like it used to be. When I was in middle school, all I read was true crimes. But yeah, not so much anymore. So no, I have not read the book. So I can't tell you how it compares. I can only tell you about the movie as it is. So this movie is about the Osage murders that took place in the 20s in Oklahoma. And it's about greed and racism and oil and betrayal and love. And it's such a beautifully well done film, given the subject matter. So Martin Scorsese is one of the the greatest of all time. There's no arguing with that. I mean, argue with the wall. I don't care. But like he's the one of the greatest of all time. And it makes me sad because he's in his 80s now. And this could be his last film. I mean, he's still sharp as ever and moves quick, but you know. Maybe get we got maybe one or two more Scorsese films. And then that's it. That's so sad. The end of an era. I'm not ready. I'm totally not ready. He's an incredible visionary. He is not just a master of cinema, but he's a student of cinema. He loves the art form that is moving pictures. He loves the history. If you've ever seen Hugo, Hugo is basically an homage to early film history. Those silent movies that were lost for a time. Many have been lost and never been seen from again. Many of them were destroyed during World War I because so much of that was used to help the war effort. Many of them melted down for this, this, that, and the third. But he is a student of cinema, a master of cinema. Um, He knows this art form inside and out, and he's all about figuring out ways to just tell a captivating story. He does it so well. He's He's just incredible. He's so good. And this is such a beautifully well done movie, which I think just showcases just how he's able to take all these different pieces of what makes a movie great and just put them all together. Great cinematography, great costuming, great music, great acting, great acting. I feel like that's the selling point here. This is the part of the movie that really just sells it because as long as it is, and we'll talk about that in a minute, but the acting here. So this is the best I've ever seen Leonardo DiCaprio. And I think Martin Scorsese said this is their sixth film together. And I think I love it when I see directors and actors that collaborate quite a bit, because you can definitely see that relationship play out on screen, that sense of trust and understanding and the love they have for one another. Um, I, I love seeing directors who are in, inspired by other actors. So you see that Christopher Nolan and Killian Murphy, Um, Christopher Nolan with Christian Bale. So, you know, Tim Burton and Johnny Depp and Helena Bonham Carter, even though I think 
that's kind of a weird thing for them right now. But, you know, Leonardo DiCaprio with Martin Scorsese, Martin Scorsese with Robert De Niro. Definitely these are men whom he has found a lot of inspiration in, who's able to he, he's able to kind of take and mold to his liking, who have figured out his style and how to work with him. They work well together. I love seeing these teams play out on screen. And like I said, this is the best I think I've ever seen Leonardo DiCaprio. I think it's so easy to forget because all we talk about with him is his antics and his dating or whatever. And we forget this man is incredible. He's been doing this since before I was born. Since before I was born, Leonardo DiCaprio has been running the big screen. And he's so versatile. He's so good. He he plays a man who is so weak and traumatized and does unspeakable things. He's able, Martin Scorsese was able to take, take this man who did awful, evil, terrible things to the woman he loved. And he found a way to make him complex and almost sympathetic. Because at times I, I hated him. I couldn't stand him. Like, how could he do such a thing? And then there were moments where I was rooting for him to just gain some strength, grow a backbone. He was gullible and easily manipulated, kind of a dupe, um, easily played. And he was taken advantage of by his uncle, played by Robert De Niro. This is about, again, the Osage murders, and it's all about oil money, which is a different kind of rich. And the Osage had become rich with oil money. So you had a lot of people, um, white men, mostly families, coming into the area trying to get a piece of this action. And, you know, it's not just oil money, but a lot of land. So a lot of opportunities to make money off of this land. And... William Hale, who was seen as a friend to the Osage, knew the language, was very well loved in the community, rich on his own with cattle ranching. And he got greedy and he saw an opportunity when his nephew, Ernest Burkhart, played by Leonardo DiCaprio, came back from the war, broken in a complete shell of himself. He saw an opportunity to kind of slip in and manipulate him, almost trick him into marrying this woman whom he genuinely fell in love with. Because, again, this man is a dupe. And he's a dope, but there's genuine heart there. And there are moments where I couldn't stand Leonardo DiCaprio in this movie. I hated that character. But then there was a moment towards the end where I was rooting for him to finally get some strength and stand up to his uncle. It it was an interesting and beautiful moment where he made a decision and he figured out his priorities and decided what's right and what's wrong. So we, we see this evolution of this man who's a bit of a dolt. And he he kind of grows into his manhood and he doesn't quite know what to do with it. He's still almost loaning out his manhood to his uncle. And it, it's, it's a beautiful transformation that I think only Martin Scorsese knows how to cultivate and only Leonardo DiCaprio knows how to produce. And he did it so incredibly well. We have Robert De Niro here in the villain role, best supporting actor nominee, guaranteed. And... Again, we, we, we see this man who is just evil, just terrible. And yet we see also see this two-faced side to him where he seems to have a genuine love and care for the Osage people, but yet he sees such a golden opportunity. To them, they're just dollar signs. And we see this multiple times over throughout the movie. But Robert De Niro gives us a character that's very um, fleshed out properly and very balanced and just... Again, complex. There's something about the way Robert De Niro is able to take 
actors and turn them into whole human beings. Because some pe- people, no one is all good and no one is all bad. There's always a little bit of gray in between that tears us up and te- as human beings. I think what a lot of people are hoping for this movie is that we would come away with this absolutely 100% hating all of the bad people in this movie. And that's not quite how it fares out. Yeah, you don't like them in the end, but there are moments throughout the movie where you feel a little bit of sympathy, where you see a bit of the humanity and something in them that's slightly relatable. That's so risky nowadays to to play it like that, to give the audience a reason to root for the bad guy or to at least see some sort of hope or redemption in them. Nobody wants to play that anymore. Everyone has to be either all bad or all good. How dare you show somebody human? And then we have Lily Gladstone, who plays Molly Burkhart, who is the wife of Ernest Burkhart. And I've talked about this a bit before, that Hollywood doesn't know what to do with female characters anymore. They have this way of stripping away their femininity in an effort to show them as strong. Martin Scorsese clearly has no love for modern cinema right now, which is being, you know, oversaturated with franchises and reboots and remakes. This is a man who loves old school cinema, old school characters, the old school way of telling a story and fleshing it out. And so we have this woman who isn't stripped of her femininity, but it is on display and it's beautiful. She's physically weak. She's a woman suffering from diabetes, and yet she is very spiritually strong. Lily Gladstone does does such a good job of portraying a woman who is physically weak yet spiritually strong. She's such a woman, and it was so it made me happy. We don't see that anymore. So we're we're really starting to see movies where a movie is led by a woman, and yet everyone around her that's more interesting is a male. We don't get that here. She, everyone here played their part to perfection and they played their role exactly as it was intended. And she shines. She's so bright. She's so beautiful. Just give the woman her Oscar. I'm calling it now best actress. Best best actress winning. People have been saying it for months, but I'm like, okay, whatever. I'll see one. No, give the woman her, her, her pride. Give the woman her, her money. Give, Give, just roll her the bag. Give her the award give it all to her. She, it's hers. She is so wonderful in this and just so vulnerable. And there's an honestness and a deepness and a depth to to the way she did the thing. And golly, she did the thing. So stepping aside from that, let's talk about the cinematography for just a hot second. So Rodrigo Prieto is the DP here and he's having a great year because he was also the DP for Barbie. I've been obsessed with him since Brokeback Mountain. I love the way he shoots landscapes. He does, you know, close-up shots and, you know, you know, city skylines and all that thing. He does those very well as he does those well as well. But I, I love the way he shoots just the natural stuff. Does that make sense? Just the way he shoots outside things and he really understands, he gets it. He he is so invested in capturing the beauty of just the earth. I I don't even know how to make it make sense. The words are escaping me, but I I don't know. I, I love the way he captures the landscape, the way he 
pulls us into the beauty of what's on the screen. I, I remember feeling that way with Brokeback Mountain, that I was there. It was so beautiful, so well shot, so beautifully done. He also knows what to do with color on screen. He knows how to take, he, he gets it. I- hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I don't know how to make it make sense, but he just, he gets it. He understands. He's a photographer. He is such an old school kind of photographer. He gets it. He understands framing and angles and lighting and color. And he understands what it means for us to get the big picture and then to narrow down into something small. He gets it. He's such a beautiful and well done photographer. And I am nervous because I know he's going to get a nomination for this. And there's potential for him to be nominated twice in the same category because of Barbie. I don't think Barbie is the biggest contender for cinematography, but it's it's possible. But I think it's going to go to Oppenheimer. Honestly, I swear to God, I think Oppenheimer is going to get it for cinematography. I mean, I, I feel like that's a win. But th- this is heavy competition here. This was beautifully shot. And take the way he he frames things, the way... Rodrigo Prieto knows how to frame a picture and and match that with the way Martin Scorsese does blocking, the way he likes to keep a frame busy and he he pays attention to those details. Oh my goodness. It was wonderful. The sound mixing in this was also beautiful. I think any kind of Native American music, there's something so spooky and haunting and beautiful about it that just kind of it hits the soul in a different kind of way. I think of music like um, The Covenant, um, Guy Ritchie's The Covenant with Jake Gyllenhaal earlier, where they had a lot of the Middle Eastern music kind of infused with some kind of modern score. Or um, if you're on TikTok, anytime you see a haka, um, stuff like that, that's different than what I think a normal American audience would really kind of gauge into. Something that's that's very ethnic or ethereal or otherworldly for us that just resonates a different kind of beauty and speaks to our soul in a different way. We don't exact, we may not understand what's being said or what's being done, but it hits a nerve at the bottom of our soul and in our gut that produces an emotion that sometimes words just can't explain. The music in here, I feel like does that. I loved it. I thought it was beautiful. But overall, I feel like I'm missing so many things. So we talked about the direction. We talked about acting. We talked about cinematography. Costuming in here is beautiful. Go ahead and just give the woman her Oscar for costuming. My goodness. Um, just a lot of detail that had to be taken into account. Um, the culture of the Osage was on full display. There was no mistaking it. And so many different aspects and levels to it, just almost like on a spectrum where you had, you know, the very indigenous part of it with the, you know, makeup and clothing and traditional garbs. And then you had the everyday Osage, you know, kind of wealthy apparel where they still had so much of their Osage-ness in their clothing, but also that kind of American regal wild wildness about it. Just it was just very intricate and beautifully done. It, it was really looking. It was almost like looking at a color spectrum, if that makes sense. Just beautiful. 
But yeah, I absolutely loved this movie. Now, talking about the runtime, it is three hours and 26 minutes, which is very long. This is the longest movie I've seen this year. It is the fourth three-hour long plus movie that I've seen this year. So Avatar I saw this year, Bo is Afraid, Oppenheimer, and now this one. I was worried going into it that I would not be able to sit for that long without having to go to the bathroom. That was my biggest concern. I honestly didn't feel the three and a half hours. I... It's very engaging. It it, it kind of sucks you in. It's a very engaging, very deep, laid back, chill kind of story. The way it's told, it's brutal, definitely. But I didn't feel it at all. Now everybody's different. I wouldn't say I'm used to sitting like that um, at all. I like I wouldn't call that normal for me because obviously I was nervous about it. But I didn't feel it at all. It's yeah, I think that three hours and 26 minutes is very daunting. It's intimidating and it's definitely going to hurt them at the box office. But honestly, I didn't feel it. I love this. I thought the pacing was just wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. So and I love pacing. Y'all know I love pacing. You know, I love the way a movie moves. And I thought this movie moved very, very well. So yeah, that's what I think. I think this is a masterpiece. I think it's beautiful. I think it's a wonderful. I, I expect awards and nominations and wins and all of those things. And it, it makes me sad because this, if, if, if this isn't the last Scorsese film, it's one of the last. And I'm not ready for that. All right, parental units, this is the part of the podcast where I answer your most burning question. Is this movie appropriate for my child? Hmm. Well, short answer is, um, there, there's no easy way to answer this because number one, this is historical fiction. So obviously if you're wanting to educate your kid, this movie is very important. It's not sexual in nature. I think there's just one scene where clearly a husband and wife are about to get it on, but that's about it. There's some, some innuendo here and there, some implied promiscuity, but there's nothing like that. Drug use is not really present here. There is smoking, alcohol use, moonshine. Uh, stuff like that. So, you know, talks about depression. They call it melancholy. So th- there are those things. And obviously this me being a movie about mass murder or, you know, yeah, mass murder, I think it's a bit, bit good word or serial murder, however you want to call it. No, mass murder is actually the good word for it. Good phrase, mass murder. So there are definitely um, scenes of people getting shot. It's not implied. You see it on screen. It's very jarring. Um, blood all the things, guts, brains. I mean, it's, it's there and it's not left to the imagination. Some of the sounds that there's at one point where they cut a woman's skull open in plain view of everyone. And you can hear the saw, you know, and this isn't, you know, like an electric saw that they would have now, but this is a hand saw and you can hear it. And the look on Lily Gladstone's face as they're sawing this, this skull open is just, gosh, she deserves an Oscar just for that. Beautiful. So there are those things. Um, so keep in mind, number one, the runtime, like I said, three hours and 26 minutes. Can your child sit for that long? Are you going to have to make frequent trips to the bathroom? Again, this is an Apple produced movie. So this will be on Apple TV plus at some point, probably sooner rather than later. I guarantee, I imagine that they knew going into this, that they weren't expecting a big box office return, that most of their money was going to be made streaming. So there's that part. And yeah, I, I think that answers it pretty much. This isn't a movie, I think, it's not made for kids, but I think whether or not it would be appropriate for your child depends on what you're comfortable with as a parent and whether or not you feel like sitting for three and a half hours with your kid in a movie theater. 
I think this is an important story in American history. It's something important for us to know. And I think this movie is an easy way for young kids to digest it. The book I've heard is brutal. I haven't read it. I think I mentioned that. So that's, um, that's, that's, I hope that answers your question. This is one of those, it really is to your discretion. I'm telling you what's there and then you have to make your own decision. And I hope that helps. Want to advertise on this podcast? Check the episode description to see how you can be featured on the next episode. Thank you so much for listening to me rant and rave about yet another movie. So that was Killers of the Flower Moon directed by Martin Scorsese. Just to sum it all up, I thought this was a beautifully well done, long work of art. And I thought Lily Gladstone gave... a definite Oscar worthy performance. The way people have been hyping her up, definitely well worth it. Definitely true. Um, they weren't exaggerating. She does, she's incredible in this. She's amazing in this and well done. Hats off to her. So, what's coming up? So, I am going to be seeing the birds at my AMC on Sunday night. I'm excited. It'll, I think it's like the 60th anniversary or whatever. This will be the first Hitchcock film I've seen in theaters. So I'm looking forward to that. And then next week, I'm seeing Friday Night at Freddy's on Thursday. And then on Friday night, I'm seeing Anatomy of a Fall. Anatomy of a Fall is an Oscar contender. At least that's what people are saying. So definitely looking forward to that one. I believe that's also a true crime movie based on a true story. And then the week after that, I haven't the slightest idea. Yeah, no idea what I'm seeing the first week of November. Because of the actor strike and because of the Taylor Swift movie, so many release dates have been pushed around here and there. And then I think the week after that, if I remember correctly, I believe it's the Marvels that are that's supposed to come out that next week. So the second week in November is the Marvels. I already have my ticket for that. Um, I'm waiting to get tickets for the Hunger Games movie. I have my ticket for Wish. I'm actually seeing that the Tuesday before Thanksgiving. And once Napoleon... T- I'm going to be seeing probably quite a few movies on that week for Thanksgiving week. I'm going to be seeing Napoleon as well as soon as tickets are on sale. Probably just end up seeing it all the same day. So congratulations. You're going to get multiple reviews on that Wednesday before Thanksgiving. And... I got to figure out what I'm going to do for December because bike riders has been pushed back indefinitely. (laughs) I'm so sad about it. I blame Beyonce because if you didn't know, Beyonce is coming out with her own concert movie for her Renaissance tour December 1st. This is also being distributed the same way as the Taylor Swift movie. So straight from Beyonce to the theaters, no middleman, no distributor. AMC is the distributor. And so that's exciting. That's amazing. Uh, Box office wise, Taylor did incredibly well. Um, Congratulations to her. But yeah, that's what's coming up. Let me know if you see Killers of the Flower Moon. Um, Let me know if you've read the book. Um, Tell me what you think and if I should read it. Here's my question, because I am not a big fan of nonfiction. Not anymore. I used to read true crime all the time. How is the story told? If it's very factual, like this is what happened and I'm telling you the events as they're being told, I'm not going to read it. But if it's told like a narrative, I'll read it. If, if it's written like a story, I'll read it. That is the best way to engage me in true in nonfiction. I know that sounds lazy, but hey, I can read fiction all day. Nonfiction, it takes me a minute. It takes, it, it takes a lot of effort for me. Weird, I know, but there it is. 
So let me know what you think of the movie. Let me know what you thought of the book. What are you going to be seeing in the coming weeks? What Oscar movies are you looking forward to seeing? Because they're going to start rolling out in, you know, November, December, and January. But yeah, those are my thoughts. Those are my feelings. Let me know what you thought. Don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe. You guys are amazing. I love you. And I'll see you next time. Thank you.